Welcome to the Saving Lives Podcast. I'm Eddie Joe. Today for historical context is the 28th of March of 2022. And I'm going to be discussing an article that was published in the March of 2022 issue of Chest. This article title is a mouthful, but long story short, it's about giving TPA to patients who are on mechanical ventilation from COVID-19. The formal title of the study, though, of course, is a mouthful, is quote, study of alteplase for respiratory failure in SARS-CoV-2 COVID-19, a vanguard, multi-center, rapidly adaptive, pragmatic, randomized control trial. Now, that's quite, quite, quite the mouthful. See, for those of us who've been taking care of patients with COVID since the onset of this pandemic, we've had to try certain last-ditch efforts to try to save somebody's life. And I don't know about you guys, but perhaps giving TPA to a severe COVID patient is something that could be reasonable. At this point, I'm certain that many of us have attempted, with informed consent of course, therapies for our patients that may make theoretic sense, but have no evidence to support its use. See, at the beginning of the pandemic, we understood the hypercoagulability that we were seeing in our patients. We will see patients with pulmonary emboli, DVTs, and D-dimers that were through the roof. For those of us who check the plethora of labs daily, attempting to understand the pathophysiology and what we could see in the labs of these patients, we noted that there was a correlation between an increase in D-dimer and severity of illness in many of our patients. As data came out and autopsies were performed, we found that many patients ended up having disseminated pulmonary microvascular thrombosis. That's definitely not good at all. When we did not have data to support using, for example, dexamethasone or methylprednisolone, many of us were already using it. Many of us used tocilizumab and other such medications before the data even supported it as well. This simply made physiologic sense to a lot of us who had common sense. I mean, from the get-go, many of us recognized that COVID-19 was an inflammatory problem. It's an inflammatory disease. And the data was coming down the pipeline, but we had patients and families who were begging us to try whatever in the world we could to help them out and save their lives. Obviously, we want to do no harm, but only after a few short weeks of dealing with the pandemic, we understood that patients who got sick enough to end up on mechanical ventilation, well, to be quite frank, uh, it's hard for me to say, but that, that was not compatible with life. So that forced the hands of some of us to go ahead and try using TPA in our COVID patients. Much to the chagrin of the academic medical community, which only decides to take care of patients after the guidelines state or a major landmark study states that that's the way that they should do business in their ICUs. Now, it seems as if these trial authors felt the same way in that they had to try something to save their patients. And I think this is a very good thing. The positive thing that we had is that they're out of a major academic institution and as a matter of fact, multiple major academic institutions, and they had the research know-how to create a study out of their hypothesis. And henceforth, henceforth, excuse me, we have this study looking at giving TPA to patients who are on mechanical ventilation from COVID-19. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
I really have to tip my hat to the authors of this trial. They actually started randomizing COVID patients to provide them with TPA in May of 2020. Most of our institutions started seeing a trickling in of these patients around January to, I guess, March or so of 2020. So they, they jumped on this real quick. For historical context, the recovery trial, you know, that one that showed a benefit to using dexamethasone, that had not even been published yet. And here, they were able to enroll patients out of eight academic hospitals in the United States. One of the things they described their paper as, uh, Vanguard Phase 2 multi-center open-label, rapidly adaptive, pragmatic. To me, all these things mean that they were figuring out how to do this on the fly. And appropriately so, in my opinion. Someone with more clinical trial knowledge, know-how, can educate me about what all these different things mean and uh, how to make it sound... I guess colloquial in a way, as in a way to explain it that's easy, but I'll just sit and wait for somebody to correct me on that. All in all, they enrolled 50 patients in total. All of these patients were on the vent. All of them were sick as stink as one could imagine. They broke the study down into two phases. In the first phase, 36 COVID patients were randomized to receive either placebo. I guess they didn't do placebo. Uh, they were just controls. They were either, either going to be a control or they were randomized to receive a 50 milligram bolus of TPA, first by giving 10 milligrams as a bolus and then 40 milligrams as an infusion over the next two hours. A heparin drip was used thereafter for several days. The second phase enrolled patients 37 through 50 where they received the same 50 milligrams, in other words, 10 milligrams up front followed by 40 milligrams over two hours as the first phase. But here they received a TPA drip at 2 milligrams per hour for a total of 24 hours of TPA. Thereafter, the patients had heparin for several days, just like the first phase. One of the things that's, that's interesting here is uh, the dosing of the TPA, of how they used it in the two phases of the trial, because that's the, that's the dosing that we use for, for example, submassive PEs. One of the things I always like to recommend is that you know, this is for entertainment value only and don't be jotting down these doses and trying to base your medical practice off of what I'm saying. This is not medical advice and the article is free for you to download in the show notes so you don't have to trust me. I also think that the ambitions of the authors were reasonable. Their primary outcome was an improvement in the oxygenation at 48 hours. The COVID patients had an improvement in their PF ratio that was statistically significant at 48 hours. Per these data, it seems that TPA helped the oxygenation in these patients. The authors also set up a composite outcome that was also positive. So therefore, one might ask if giving TPA to COVID patient helps out with mortality, days on mechanical ventilation, length of stay in the ICU, etc. Well, here, there are honestly no differences. Although we do need to be academically honest with ourselves that the study is not powered for these outcomes. So that doesn't mean that if there's a larger trial that we won't see a particular benefit when it comes to mortality, days on mechanical ventilation, like the say, etc., etc. And as I say, you know, that we have to be academically honest, we also have to take into consideration that there's a trend towards a benefit in these different endpoints. But one must know that trends don't really mean anything. So when we've provided TPA to our COVID patients, we have used informed consent and a thorough discussion with family members about what we're trying. The main concern is obviously bleeding. After all, we're providing TPA, which could potentially cause more trouble than we bargained for. Thankfully, when they looked at these, these 50 patients, there was no statistically significant increase in adverse events, including incidents or anything else. 
Table 5, which is one of the tables in the study, shows these adverse events. And I'm honestly quite impressed with the level of detail provided by the authors when it comes to, when it comes to secondary uh, adverse effects. So the question then becomes, should we actually start providing TPA to COVID patients? And the way I choose, and this is my way to interpret these data, is that providing TPA to COVID patients can potentially help. And here, there wasn't a strong signal of harm. It's not like, you know, almost all the patients bled out because that, that just did not take place. Between you and I, one could definitely see where harm could happen, though. You know, people could have head bleeds, uh, GI bleeds, etc., and that's the reason why if you choose to go down the go down the rabbit hole of providing a COVID patient with TPA, I would strongly recommend you provide a significant amount of counseling to the patient's families. Um, the patients, you're not going to be able to speak to them if they're this sick enough for you to consider doing this on them. And document good informed consent prior to utilization of TPA in your patients. After all, this podcast in this case uh, and the blog post is on my website it's not medical advice. I will say my practice, I've done this before, and that should make it pretty clear where I stand when interpreting these data. However, the authors are wise in recommending a phase three study. Now, I do wonder though, my curiosity is whether they're actually using TPA in their practice today for COVID patients based on their findings. As always, read these data for yourself and do not trust me. I greatly support your support with this uh, podcast and if you could please take a couple seconds to go to either apple music or excuse me apple podcast or spotify and leave me a five-star review i would greatly greatly appreciate it hope you all have a great day thanks a lot bye